When we're young, we move with freedom and confidence, with a great resilience to injury. But somewhere along the line, we develop poor habits and become more vulnerable to back pain. Back Pain Solutions features evidence-based and practical advice to help you take back control of your health and get back to the activities you love. This is your guide to better back health through movement. So join us as we demystify some of the commonly held beliefs about back pain and build your confidence to a stronger back the smart way. Welcome to the Back Pain Solutions podcast. It's Jacob and today I'm interviewing a very favorite chiropractor of mine, Dr. David Seaman. He was the first person to author a scientific paper that specifically hypothesized that diets can be pro-inflammatory or anti-inflammatory. He's a doctor of chiropractic and he has a Master of Science in Bionutrition from the University of Bridgeport, which he finished in 1991. So while in clinical practice in the late 1980s, he became aware of the developing research that linked nutrition to the inflammatory process and noticed that appropriate dietary changes could significantly improve various musculoskeletal and visceral conditions. Welcome, Dr. Seaman, to the show. I, uh, I first heard, heard of you when I was... Uh, a chiropractic student myself back in uh, 2007 and uh, it was with a, uh, a chiropractic friend who was already a chiropractor who he was into your stuff then and uh, he introduced you to me basically uh, I was already a big fan of of good nutrition and I knew the value of it and I was, I was you know even the other students at college used to think I was crazy because I organized these evenings with uh uh, videos of, you know, raw food as healing diabetes and, and did all these sort of, you know, before I, re I really knew anything, I was just, I knew that there was something to this. It, it didn't make any sense uh, yeah. to, just to leave it out. And so I was, I was always into it and I, and I had a lot of um, sources, but I, I could never really put my hands on it. And yeah, so I've been watching a lot of your YouTube explanation videos and I, you know, I get a lot from it. It's, it's great. Uh, I can watch it all day. And I read your article about uh, Corona. And that was, that was very interesting about how you don't have to be obese to have the physiology of someone who is obese. And, uh, and, and, and then that can lead to a cytokine storm and, and how that can be uh, yeah, a, a bad path for you if you're not healthy. And, um, yeah, so it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. Well, thanks for having me. Can you please tell me a little bit about yourself? What do you, what do, you do at the moment? Do you, do you treat? Do you only do nutritional consultations? Well, I used to travel to a lot of conventions and do postgrad stuff and, and go to different chiropractic colleges in the States. And I was supposed to go to the, uh, the Anglo-European school, I think, in 2020. And we tried again for 2021, but of course that got canceled. Yeah. And yeah, so I uh, don't travel really much anymore. I used to travel like 30 to 40 weekends uh, a year and then past year, 2020, and then this year, minimal uh, traveling just because of the, of the restrictions. So I do a lot of stuff online. Uh, I work for a, work for a nutrition company where I used to do lectures for them and write for them and help design supplements. And then I do some online courses for uh, Logan College of Chiropractic. Currently, I'm, I, I, I teach two of their online nutrition classes. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm located in Florida, which is why I'm tan. Well, you, well I guess you can see I'm tan yeah. because I'm in Florida. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I yeah. can see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been nice here. It's always nice here. So, and, and then I do, I teach uh, two neuroscience courses for, for Parker in Texas. Okay. Okay. And then I do, and then I write books, uh, you know, uh, and then uh, I do those videos. So, I stay pretty busy. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it. So you're, you're quite busy in the educational aspect. Yeah, education. Yeah. Do you do you also see patients? I don't now. Um, I do some some consultations, but uh, no, Minimum. not so much. Yeah. I, I, it kind of so the problem with like seeing patients and trying to figure stuff out, like like for me when I when I did that video on how how COVID can cause anosmia, uh, you know, it, it took me a day to like go through the literature and that's difficult to do if you're practicing and yeah. seeing patients, there's too many discordant, you're distracted all over the place, you know? And so, you, so let's say you're practicing, you got a, and, and you have a couple of kids and you got a family to take care of, you got billing to deal with and all the other stuff running, running an office who has time to sit down and read stuff. Yep. It's very difficult. You have to be a special person to, to, to do both. Yep. And I'm not that special. I can only do I one. I can understand that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But I think that, a lot of people are getting treated by you through others. 
Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's yeah. how you got to look at it. And um, oh, fantastic. So I think a big question for me is how would you, because I'm sure you have experience with this, how would you approach a patient who, who, who is sitting in front of you and has chronic low back pain and you want to try and get it through to them that they, you know, we're going to treat them manually. We may do some exercises, but there's a lot of value to their possibility of getting better by looking at the diet. How do you approach that? Well, it always depends upon the patient and their background and their interests. Like, so the whole evidence, what's, what's, what's the right word? The, it's not, it's uh, I guess they call it, you know, evidence-based practice, I guess, where you yeah. take the patient perspective, all the, I, I forget is, I get the, 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 what is that? the, 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 uh, it's social, the three circles. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's not the bio, it's not biopsychosocial. Okay. It's the evidence-based model where you've got the research right. experience, patient preferences, yeah. right? So this is a patient preference thing. You have to figure out who the patient is sitting in front of you. So if you have a neuroscience in front of you, a neuroscientist in front of you, I would have a different conversation than if I had a plumber in front yeah. of me. So I'd use different language depending upon it. But let's just say you just have the average lay person. And, and so the easiest way I think is most people who have back pain, unless it's really horrific, uh, ridiculous pain, they'll get some relief when they take anti-inflammatory drugs to some degree. Yeah. They may not get rid of it, but everybody, almost everybody will have tried NSAIDs, right? Aspirin or NSAIDs. Yeah. And so the first question should be, did, did you get some relief? And in most cases, pe people will say yes, but the relief didn't last, right? I mean, that's a very common experience. Okay. And so would you, would you agree? Or they take Tylenol and they get some relief, but it doesn't go away. So they wanted to come in to see the chiropractor. Would you agree that that's pretty common? Absolutely. Because most, most, of, yeah. most of the time a GP probably prescribes as well. And, uh, right, work. exactly. Yeah. So, so, so the e easiest way, I think, the easiest doorway into getting some, someone cued into thinking about their, about their health and their diet would be, well, the anti-inflammatory drugs, what they do is they block pathways that are produced, created, by eating too many pro-inflammatory calories. Uh -huh. So if you eat inflammation, you have to take anti-inflammatory drugs. When the drug wears off, the inflammation will be there because you keep eating. Because the average American, and it's different, it's, you know, the Europeans are getting fatter and sicker True. Uh, than they were years ago. True. Yeah. So certainly less. Like, for example, when I was looking at, um, at, at, at the death tolls for COVID comparing the U.S., to Sweden, because that was the most published that I could find, Sweden, okay. to Japan. So so the death rate in Japan from COVID, I mean, they've only had, over the last year and a half, maybe 3,000 deaths in total from COVID. 3,000. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's about that. So 3,000. Okay. So in America, I think it's 300,000. Yeah. yeah. So what's the difference? Well, the Japanese population, only 1.6% is obese. Yeah. The American population, 42% are obese. Yeah. The Swedish population, 20% are obese. Yes. So if you look at obesity, you look at death per, per, in pop, per capita then, you see that the fatter you are, the more problematic it is. Yeah. So, so that's another way, way to, to look at it. So the obesity issue drives inflammation. Yeah. And most people who – now, of course, you could be a normal weight, uh, metabolically obese person, which would be someone who doesn't exercise – and as skinny fat as the way we used to talk about it when, uh, right. <laughs> so you, I remember years ago, I saw the, I saw this MRI where is it used to get, or, or a CT of the thighs of, of pe people who weighed the same. And one guy was shredded and packed all this muscle. And the other person was, was kind of skinny fat or almost fat fat. And there's just all this adipose tissue. Yeah. So people don't really realize and this whole thing now, particularly in America, I don't know if it's, if it's in Europe where they, uh, it's called, uh, the fat acceptance movement. So I've and seen it in America. I've seen some yeah. interesting, yeah, interesting stuff. I think I think I think Europeans have a little bit more phys physical health self-respect yes. than Americans do. Yes. I mean, Americans just can't stop eating, and they think it's like a great party. Yes. So, I want to justify it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 in in Europe, it'll probably be easier than in America because because I did a lot of videos on obesity and all that other stuff, and people say, "Oh, be careful, you don't fat shame." Like, what are you talking about? This is a health issue. Yep. So, so we eat. The calories that then create the inflammation so then the drugs are going to inhibit that short term and they get some relief and so the idea is to tell a patient well the idea is to change your body chemistry by changing the foods that you eat so you don't need medication and that you will heal and that my manual care 
will be much more effective for you. Great. And I wouldn't bring this up. I wouldn't bring this up uh, in, in the first few, few treatments because, because when people come to see a chiropractor, they expect back cracking, muscle work, bending, twisting, and exercise. They don't say, hey, uh, hi, uh, no more French fries. Yep. That is a discordant <laughs> kind of state for the patient to deal with. Yeah. So you have to kind of drop the bomb on them if they don't respond. Yeah. I, and what I would do, and what I would do too, just, yeah, just real quick, sure. as part of the initial examination, is you want to always do waist-hip ratio okay. and body mass index. Okay. Because, and then that will say, well, what do you measure my waist for? Well, it's because it's important to, to because waist hip ratio correlates perfectly with one's inflammatory, well, not perfectly, but very robust correlates with a patient's uh, inflammatory state. That's a great uh, insight. Yeah. So it's part of the physical exam, blood pressure, yeah. weight, body mass index, waist hip ratio, okay. and get those initially. And they should be, if they're elevated. Yeah. The patient says, "Well, I'm trying to lose weight. Well, you know, will this impact my, you know, my response?" The patient may ask you, and so you say, "Well, I don't know. Let's see how it goes." Yeah. So it's not stressful okay. on people because again, <laughs> they're expecting you to crack their back and cure them. They're not expected for you to crack their back, it not work, and then say, "Okay, no more French fries." All right. So you got to ease into it. Yeah, I, I learned that the hard way with some of my patients. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I did too, and then that was before I realized that there were objective markers that I could use. Yes, and and then now that I know that, well, I've known it for a while now, and I've used it in at the schools that I've taught at, and the postgrad stuff is much easier. Yeah. And it's really like not complicated. You don't need to be, you know, you don't need to know what a cytokine storm is, or be able to name cytokines to basically to be able to do a waste operation on somebody. Yeah. And everybody knows if you want to be healthy, you eat less crap. It's not that complicated, yeah. right? Yeah. And, I, and, yeah. and it's like you say, you want to try and bring the message across without making it stressful because a lot of people who are trying to lose weight have been busy with it, you know, and they may have failed. And, and they've just come to you to relieve that specific pain. And, uh, and then you have to be very delicate in the way you bring it over. But I am, um, yeah, I've stepped into that trap few times and i've been you know too too much to the point because what i see sometimes i see the 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 uh limited potential to heal because somebody is uh chronically fatigued or you know something yeah and chronically fatigued means chronically inflamed and so that's mm -hmm. the problem and so the first objection that i was presented with years ago with this whole thing i was talking about the whole inflammation thing i would always get the question well isn't inflammation the healing process well, yeah, as long as it resolves, yeah. if the inflammation doesn't resolve, now you have chronic disease manifesting. Yeah. And so, of course, after an injury, you're going to be flamed up, but, but your body should have the wherewithal to turn off the flame and heal the tissues. Now, the problem is that whenever pe when people become obese and hyperglycemic or, or not obese, but not, but not physically active and living on too many refined food calories, they become chronically inflamed. And so they're the ones that need to make to make the shift. And it takes place over time, for example. And that's actually interesting. As we age, uh, disc pathology, tendon pathology, and joint pathology correlates to cardiovascular pathology. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So basically, tendinopathy, osteoarthritis, disc herniation are essentially manifestations of heart disease in musculoskeletal tissues. Now that's an, an, if, if one can conceptualize that as the, as, as the chiropractor, then, then it becomes a different way of looking at it yeah. because, because we were all taught and physical therapists have all been taught that these musculoskeletal tissues, you know, they're, they're mechanical tissues. Yeah. But that doesn't make any sense because our, our mechanical tissues are made of body chemistry. Yeah. So you can't separate mechanics from chemistry. Yeah. And that is the, 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 the failing, in my experience, of all chiropractic colleges currently I mean, they may talk about it, but it's not like in their head. It's not in the DC's head or the PT's head. Because yep. I've talked to a lot of PTs too, and they're like, I never really thought of it like that. It's really simple. I mean, you, you just look at type 2 diabetic patients compared to normal age age uh, and weight and all match controls. The diabetic, no, sorry, not not uh, weight, but just uh, compared to the, the, the uh, normal aged people of the same age, but it's not diabetic. Yeah. Diabetics will have reduced motion across all joints tested compared to normals. Okay. The diabetics are far more likely to have osteoarthritis, tendinopathy, and disc degeneration and disc herniation. 
So it correlates hyperglycemia, atherosclerosis, heart disease correlates with progressive joint, muscle, bone, tendon, disc dysfunction. Very interesting. And and with like di diabetes, I think if I put it, if I, I try to put it in the right way, you have actually got an inflamed cell and that's going to be for the whole body. Yes. And so if you bring the inflammation down of that on cellular level, you're going to influence not only the the organs and the cardiovascular system but also the the joints and the soft tissues and everything yeah yeah, yeah. because because when you look at say there there are even some 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 papers they're very interesting they say basically if you have type 2 diabetes you're going to have tendinopathy somewhere it just may not be symptomatic yeah. so here's another and here's another way way to look at it so you have in you know someone who's and people many people are obese who don't even know that they're obese. That's the thing because they think well, obese is when you like are so massive you can't move, but that's not the case. Are you talking specifically uh, about pre-diabetic as well, or already? Uh, well, 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 most people who most people who are obese are are close to pre-diabetic, okay. unless they've got really good genes. Because some people can handle the the body fat accumulation and not go pro-inflammatory for a much longer period of time. So you can be, okay. you can have two obese people, same age. One can be hyperglycemic, hypertense, diabetic, and the other person has none of the, no problems at all. So they're like metabolically fit, but obese. Okay, interesting. And so it's not just big and fat, you're sick. So those would be the obese patients, the overweight patients who respond to your care. Yeah. Because they're not inflamed. So, they're, so their inflammation envelope of tolerance has not been breached. You do your manual care, and they feel I mean, that amazed me. When I was in chiropractic college, I used to shadow a, a DC in practice, who I'm still friends with from over 30 years now, and I was amazed. So, so he had this obese woman come in. I mean, this was a big woman, and she laid face down on the activator table, and 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 she, and she was she almost filled the whole table wide. Okay. And so when he did the gun, the click, 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 you know, he's clicking through three or four inches of fat, and I'm like, there's no way. In my mind, I'm like, there's no way this is going to help. Yeah. So she gets up. She goes, "God, no more pain. This is. I love coming to you. Oh my God, this is amazing." <laughs> now I was only like 25 then, I guess, and I saw them like, "Huh." So some big fat people respond great. Some don't. Most leaner, healthy people they tend to respond great. Some don't. You know what is what's what is the unifying factor among the non-responders? And that was the, something that jumped into my head when I was 25 years old in chiropractic college. Now it's 35 years later. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's really interesting how that works. So uh, the obesity issue does not mean you'll have a non-responder. It means that you might. Okay. Very yeah. interesting because I thought they go up together. You know, the, the more overweight you are, the more inflamed you'll be, but not. Oh, absolutely. Generally, that is very true. Yeah. But, but there are the outliers who can be physically you know, obese in terms of measurements, but, but, but uh, biochemically fit. Yeah. No, well put. well put. But they're going to fall apart sooner or later. It's just that it'll take. It's taking a little bit longer compared to younger people, or compared to other people the same age or younger or older who have been flamed up for a long time. What, if I may ask, what would be your way to go in advice for somebody who has not, or at least have a, a chronic low back issue, and metabolically you know that they're not doing very well? Where would you? Where would, yeah, where so would you probe first? Well, you, I, you have to get measurements, right? And so, so, so as you know, the human mind is 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 very much functions very well if 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 your frontal lobe forces the rest of your body. You know, you have this talk with yourself. Okay, so uh, I did my waist hip ratio. I am uh, one point two, and I should be below point nine five for a guy. Okay. So my goal is to get to be below 0.95. So you make the numbers the goal. And that way it's a game for the brain. It's also a game for, a game for the limbic system. So you have this goal. Uh -huh. So you first have to have a goal. Without a goal, there's no hope. So you have to have a goal. Yeah. Direction. So, so the goal, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so human mind loves goals. So as long as they're attainable and, and, and understood and you're committed to it, which is very simple. You can do waist-up ratio, BMI, and you've got to get normal. So you say, okay, well, how do I do this? Well, the main thing, actually, uh, do you follow golf at all? No. Played a little bit in the past, but okay. I, no, other sport. So, so, so in America, you know, we, we just had the, uh, the, the PGA Championship, 
and and Phil Mickelson won it. So any of your golfing listeners will know who Phil Mickelson. Do you know who Phil Mickelson I, is? I, I've heard of, him? of his name. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's all right. So 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 Phil Mickelson became obese. Famous, great player. Won many, 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 many famous tournaments. He became obese. He developed psoriatic arthritis. Okay. And he was actually doing Enbrel commercials. You know, for which is the the TNF receptor antagonist, okay. which is commonly used for autoimmune disease. And so the, the guy was enormous. I mean, he was this lean model looking guy when he was in college and first in the pros and he gained like 50, 60 pounds of fat. So someone got to him. And I don't know who it is, uh, but someone got to him and said, listen, dude, you know, you got to get rid of that body fat. So he does it. He, and as a 51 year old, almost, he's almost 51. He won the PGA championship playing against 25 year olds. So in the interview, they talk about like the sacrifice after he won, the sacrifice it takes to become, you know, to achieve a goal like this. And he, so they asked him like, uh, so Phil, what'd you have to give up? What'd you do? He goes, well, I had to give up food. <laughs> yeah. So what was he eating? He wasn't eating a lot of vegetables and fish, right? And, and healthy uh, meat, fish, chicken, yeah. right? He was, he was eating all kinds of crap. So he had to give that up. Yeah. So he had a goal yeah. to get rid of his psoriatic arthritis, to become fit and lean and strong and hit the ball as far as 25 year old. So he had a goal. Yeah. So you have to take not only the waist measurement goals, you have to take the life goals. Yeah. And then the next thing is, what is the patient's preference? Do they want to be a vegan? Do they want to be an omnivore or this nuke thing, the carnivore diet? Yeah. Most people are omnivores. Yeah. So this means that they've got to, and no matter which one you choose, you want to get rid of refined sugar, flour, and oils. And it's best to make it a goal to be completely free of those calories for a month. Yeah. And then re and replace those calories with with vegetation in most cases. Okay. And that is very easy for people to do because everybody already knows I should be eating more. Like vegetables typically uh, are, are, are you know are eaten all year round, but in the summer fruits kind of become more popular. Yeah. People are like, oh, can I have fruit because I've got blood sugar problems? Well, uh, you need to then measure your blood sugar if you have a diabetic yeah. problem. And maybe some fruits should be uh, not consumed, but most people can consume fruit as long as they reduce their calories. So they start to burn off the excess body fat. And when you're in that reduced calorie state, you're also creating an environment where mitochondria and skeletal muscle can go through their biogenesis process. And then, cause what happens when you go become diabetic is that muscle cells lose their density of mitochondria. You can see electron micrographs. Interesting. I did a couple of those videos. Yeah, where you literally see this abundance of mitochondria in a lean, healthy person, yeah. and literally like no mitochondria in the type 2 diabetic person, which can be reversed as long as you reverse the dietary pathology. May I ask why one month of removing the refined sugars, uh, flour, and oil? Well, you can't say forever. That freaks <laughs> out the the that freaks out the 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 food possessed mind. Right. So you have to ch you have to chunk it for for most people. Right. And then what you do is say, okay, so once you get all your markers normal and you are now a normal physiologic person, you can eat those foods again if you choose to. You know they don't help you, but if you want to get a taste once in a while, you just got to make sure that your waist to ratio and BMI stays normal. Right. And then you also hope that once somebody has felt what it feels like uh, being healthy again, that that would be acting as a motivation to stay that way. Yeah. And one of the things that I've experienced with, 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 I don't know, I guess, well, certain chiropractors who are sort of possessed by, you know, if you don't do adjustments all the time, then you're not really a chiropractor. They think that what I'm saying is, I'm mean, actually people say this. So what you're saying is people don't have to come to me anymore. All they got to do is eat salad. I'm like, no, I didn't say that. Yeah. What I said was you've got a non-responder in front of you. Yeah or a potential non-responder in front of you. And if you want to be a responder to manual care, you have to get the, bio, the biochemistry into a, an inflammatory state that is not pro-inflammatory. And so, 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 so that, I think, is a, a good mindset for DCs to think about. And in most cases, what you'll now have, you'll have patients who respond. So it'll be like a responding party in your office, like all these people who are physically active or sitting down when they're working and they get little aches and pains here and they want to go do some athletic, whatever you guys are doing yeah. during your seasonal years and they're in aches and pains, they come in and then they, and they leave without pain. Yeah. And that's much more fun yeah. than dealing with these, these obese smoking people who are blaming everybody. They're depressed. Oh, by the way, as one's body mass index and hyperglycemia and inflammation status goes up, so does depression. Okay. 
Yeah. So the, the, yeah. So they all there's a lot of links between a lot of these things. And uh, yeah, absolutely. The unifying thing is this pro-inflammatory state, which is not complicated to deal with. If you don't want to learn any biochemistry at all, just get make sure people's waist-up ratios are proper. So if one's waist-up ratio is proper, yeah. their BMI is proper, Carly's with the waist-up ratio, and their blood pressure is normal, the chance of them being inflamed is, is pretty minimal, yeah. unless they're not sleeping, because sleep, sleep deprivation, chronic stress can all create the flame that will create a non-responder also. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. There's a study that was done a few years back, maybe 10, 15 years ago, where they looked at C-reactive protein, which is a, a great, uh, great um, inflammatory protein measurement. Yeah. And they found that when people were deprived of sleep down to like four hours a night within 10, 15 days, they had CRP levels that were similar to people who have cardiovascular disease. Wow, okay. Just by reducing sleep for 10 days. Wow. So think about this. When you were in, in chiropractic college when I was, or even undergrad, the end of final exam week, you felt horrible. Usually, <laughs> you're up late, right? Not moving. Some pains it was everywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So right there, that shows you these healthy, robust people can feel like old, sick people in one week of during final exams. Yeah. You can even be eating well, just not sleeping and stressing and not exercising yeah. for a week can make you feel sick. Yeah, I have a little one now, so I I know what that feels like, and we're quite myself, and my wife, we're quite. Uh, we make a real point of being in bed at 10, you know, yeah. as a routine. And uh, if we have a night of not good sleep, then you know, one night is good. As long as the next night we get it, nothing really, uh, we don't really feel that. But I had a week ago, I had like four nights, I think, where I didn't sleep well. Because I actually sleep with my little one on the same bed. My wife sleeps in a different room. And this way we, we all get really good sleep. Right, smart. Yeah, and... Um, but he was waking me up a couple of times in the night, a few nights in a row, and I, I just started feeling exhausted. And I, I don't, I never feel like that. And there you go. That's de the demotivated. That was that was the inflammatory state that was created by sleep deprivation. Right. It is actually you'll actually feel far worse. Like if you ate French fries at every meal for a week, you wouldn't feel like that. But you get four hours a night sleep for a week, you feel like you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I with my patients, I do uh, nutritional consultations, and I really just keep it to a basic, where I, I remove flour, sugar, and try to get people to eat less bread, pasta, ri uh, pasta, rice, and then I, I go for twice a day vegetables. Um, you know, I'm myself, I'm an omnivore, so I try to encourage people, especially when it, we think of nutrient intake, to also eat meat, especially if there's some uh, chronic fatigue situation going on. And, uh, and the responses I see are, I just, it just keeps amazing me. It's done. It really is stunning. And, and I'm not doing any, anything specific besides I work with a little bit of uh, omega-3s, but that, that's, that has a long-term effect, so not so immediate with most people. But vitamin right. D, I, I, I do with a lot of patients. I get them to measure vitamin D, and then we, 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 for a month we do a high doses every day, and then we measure after five, six weeks again. And I had a, a patient of about 30 years of age who the other day told me, she said, she came in and she sat down and she said, I just want to show you something. And she got a phone out and she showed me a, a little video clip and it was, well, she was pregnant. And uh, I said, oh, congratulations. And she's like, yeah, um, you know, we've been trying for a very long time, but I think because of your help, I'm pregnant. And I was like, oh, I can't be the adjustments. <laughs> right. Uh, exactly. And it was the vitamin D, uh, most likely, you know, uh, because she was very fatigued and uh, vitamin D was very low and we worked a few months to get it up there and, and then she became pregnant. I will say that if there's one nutrient that would have that kind of I mean, really impressive outcome, it is vitamin D, which is probably the, the global deficiency issue. Yeah. Although iron deficiency anemia, if you start to think about third world, it's a big deal there and other places. But, in, but just glo globally, vitamin D deficiency is enormous. It's a huge, huge issue. Because I, I I can't exactly remember the numbers, but there are thousands of cell receptors on the ovaries for vitamin D. Uh, it's the eyes and the ovaries, if I remember correctly. And so if you're really low, then uh, yeah, that might be a problem. 
Well, actually, the the vitamin D. So you so you so you get sunshine, or you take in the the cold calciferol. It goes. It, you get a pass through the liver, and you get your twenty five OHD. And twenty five OHD three is what's measured, as you know, in the blood test. So twenty five. When I went through school, because I graduated chiropractic college in eighty six. Uh, and so when I learned vitamin D in undergrad and in chiropractic college, it was it was all about the the vitamin D that the the the, the uh, cold calciferol goes to the liver, twenty five OHD, and then that goes to the kidney. You get one twenty five dihydroxy, and then that influences intestinal absorption and bone health. And that's all we learned. So then uh, I don't forget it was in the probably in the nineties, and uh, they they started to identify that you have that almost every cell key cell in the body is able to produce 125D in the cell itself. And that includes, yeah, eyes, uh, ovaries, testicles. I mean, just wherever you go, the, re- the reproductive organs, pancreas, it makes no difference where you go. Mm-hmm. Immune cells, they all have the ability to produce the the 125 dihydroxy. What that does inside the cell, it's involved with like one or 2,000 different gene regulation patterns. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah. And so you think about the COVID issue, right? They scared the crap out of people. What they should have said to people is, "We've known because people have. We've known. I mean, we in terms of the literature since night since the Spanish flu of 1918, obese people were more likely to die. So they've known that for over a hundred years. So when you hear that argument about, well, we weren't prepared for this pandemic, well, the Japanese population was because they're thin. Yeah, it's not just because they wear masks. They're thin and they're healthy. And so they have been prepared. The Swedes and 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 all your Scandinavian countries where you got about twenty percent obesity, eighty percent of your population was prepared. In America, yeah. our population is perfect for horrific outcomes. So the obesity thing has been known for a very, very, very long time. So they should have been told: lose weight, eat vegetables, take vitamin D, yeah. take fish oil. That's what that's what we should have been told back, you know, in January of twenty twenty. But alas, that has not taken place. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I remember in the beginning when people were actually told to stay inside. So in oh. some countries, in, in yeah. the middle of the summer last year, they were told stay inside. So my I, family of ours, they are, well, mom and dad and three little ones. And they have a small apartment and they had to stay inside. And it was oh. where they are, 30, 30 plus degrees Celsius. So, and then you just think, okay. Yeah, what a perfect recipe for someone of age not to get sun, to be inside, to be lonely, to be depressed, you know, and if they get oh. uh, uh, infected. So, yeah, and I actually had a patient who works for a government institution here in, in the Netherlands, the government institution that, that regulates and controls and advises uh, with the pandemic. And uh, I asked him uh, what uh what about vitamin d why did the government not advise people to you know have have their vitamin d checked at the gp and then uh, accordingly advised to take it and he simply told me that um he was he wasn't very happy with the question and he just told me that no um uh vitamin d is a it's a fat soluble vitamin that builds up in your body and uh people can overdose with it and you know that that's where we lost that's where i kind of ended the conversation because we the, at the same time the government here says that 60% of the people are deficient and that's with the the 50 millimolar per liter lower level right, right? so if we we would really test on say 125 or 150 upper level i don't know how many percent far more would be deficient yeah and so i i just you know i, I just thought okay right that that's the way that it is being looked at, uh, I guess. It's terrible. The people in charge should, I mean, well, I've, I've heard the term and I like it, you know, the powers that shouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> right, the powers that be, the powers that shouldn't be. Because look what they've done. Yeah. Stay indoors, no vitamin D. And of course, when you're indoors and stir crazy, what are you going to do? You're going to overeat. So the obesity problem in America and elsewhere has has increased. So we've actually created a greater population of sick people with this whole lockdown thing. It's horrible. Yes. I, <laughs> I, I wish we had more time to speak about this because yeah. I have so many. We can another time if you want. Yeah. Great. Great. I um, Yeah, we, we spoke a little bit about vitamin D, I, especially when it comes to um, general health. Do you know 
more about research on vitamin D and musculoskeletal health. I know I saw a paper where they they were doing, well, looking at rats. I'm sure it was rats and not mice. And they saw that there was less or slower degeneration of the, of the discs with uh, rats where they were sufficient in vitamin D. Do you know about I didn't see that. I did not read that, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it, it, it was a really good paper. You know, they, they, they described all the pathways and interesting. Yeah, well, I would say this in terms of supplements, you know, if you wanted to stay really, really simple. And, and because most chiropractors, they just don't think chemically, but we think we eat though. So the easiest way to do it would be what you, what you recommend, avoid sugar, flour, refined oils, which is just the basic thing. And then, and then you said omega-3s, vitamin D. And I would throw one more in there that's very inexpensive, and that's magnesium. Yeah. Those, three, those three nutrients have a, such a broad impact on physiology. It's stunning, actually. And adequate D3. And well, actually, if you become deficient in magnesium, vitamin D, uh, vitamin D and omega-3s, that trifecta will flame you up and just compound the flame created by obesity and sedentary living and lack of sleep. Okay. So if you can if you can get a handle on those and take the magnesium, the D, and the three, you're in great shape. Most people. That was actually a question I had for you. What would your suggestion be in terms of basic supplementation? Yeah, those three, and then throw a multi in there if you want. But but the multis are like the average person; they're not uh, struggling because they don't have enough B1. The problem is lack because because stress depletes magnesium. Okay. And stress also depletes vitamin C, and vitamin C actually has an has an anti cortisol effect. It's really interesting. I didn't know this until this whole this, this whole COVID thing started. Uh, when they looked at animals that produce vitamin C, and their basal their resting uh, cortisol levels, when you stress them out, if they produce vitamin C, their cortisol goes up very very mildly. Okay. So they did this with a sturgeon, which is a vitamin C producer, and I think a trout that's not a vitamin uh, uh, C producer, yeah. and this and and the trout was had far more stress compared to the vitamin C producer. So I've I've amended. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a, this is so simple. Vitamin C about three thousand milligrams per day it appears. Magnesium, 400 to 1,000 milligrams of magnesium. Vitamin D, depending upon where the deficiency is, about 5,000 IUs is a pretty good number for average. Right. And omega-3 is, th- omega-3 is a couple of grams per day. You don't need to have a degree in biochemistry or nutrition to be comfortable with those four things as well as stop overeating and move. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. And then you'll have a patient, you'll have a population of patients who will just feel great yeah. and they'll never go away. You'll have helped them. And they'll come back when they have aches and pains. And you got this great practice now as opposed to these walking, wounded, depressed, obese, miserable people who are just lost. <laughs> well, well said. Um, glutathione, do you, um, do you sometimes use uh, a precursor uh, of a supplement for that with certain patients? Or, Well, interestingly, glutathione, the, the, the NERF2 uh, enzyme, the system that creates glutathione, is stimulated by by anti-inflammatory botanicals, for example. Okay. It's activated by lipoic acid. So, f- so for me, if I was going to take a, a, a substance to to improve glutathione, it would probably be lipoic acid. It's cheap, yeah, and it has diverse effects. It it drives uh, ATP synthesis as well. Okay. I'd also be a CoQ10 guy because as we age our CoQ10 production kind of drops off. Yeah. Uh, but you know that now we're adding on there so we can I mean I would I would add either CoQ10 or lipoic acid and then as long as you're spicing with your meals you'll you'll have enough drive to get glutathione. But if you take glutathione in orally it gets broken down it may yeah. not be re, uh, rebuilt. And and lysine or L-glutamine. Or- yeah, glutamine. Oh yeah, those are all fine. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The, the, the precursor for glutathione is, 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 is cysteine, glycine, and glutamic acid. Okay. And most people get enough of that in their diet if they're, if, if, if they're eating you know, animal proteins, fish, chicken, eggs, etc. Yeah. So to me, that really isn't, isn't the issue of, of the glutathione. And, and glutathione gets recycled also. And it gets recycled by, by or it's, 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 it's recycling from the oxidized to the reduced state is supported by and driven by lipoic acid and CoQ10. Okay. So I like I like big global supportive supplements that have multiple uh, effects. Yeah. So CoQ10, you can either do CoQ10 or lipoic acid, as far as I can tell. Okay, great. That's that's a very good insight. 
Yeah, it, sometimes I, well, just listening to you, you know, I, I, I <laughs> just feel like the message is so simple. Uh, oh, it's so simple. And uh, well, you've got to, of course, as, a, as a, a clinician, a chiropractor, or somebody who works with patients, you've got to be able to bring that across so people get the message. And, uh, you know, it doesn't only help if I know how important it is. Uh, the people you work with uh, need to understand and, and need to know. And, of course, then they can make an informed choice. But I feel like sometimes I, you know, I've had a, I've had a, once I had a, a guy coming in and his wife was sitting next to him and I, I did the report of findings and I was telling him, you know, I, because uh, I knew he was from his, his history, he was, he was really eating terrible. He was uh, always on the road and then stopping and eating at snack bars. And in the Netherlands, that's just awful. And <laughs> I said, look, you're not going to get better if we, don't change your diet. And his wife was getting so upset with me. <laughs> wow. He, I, yeah. he came here with, he came here to see you for his back. And, uh, and, and, and why do, why does he have to eat different? And I think maybe she thought I was attacking her, the food that uh, she makes. <laughs> yeah. The problem is, 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 is that since food, so if you, so if you think about you know, whatever food it is, like if I think about a, a, a food that I really like a lot, you know, like if I was really, if I could just go do a pizza or Whoppers from Burger King, I'd still like those things. I don't eat it very much, and I eat pizza once in a while, but I'm, but but that's what I would like. So why? Because it tastes good, right? Yeah. Something that tastes good, it becomes a limbic system event. It becomes emotional, right? It becomes emotional. So if we were if if we were hunkered down in a military situation somewhere, we'd be dodging bullets. We wouldn't care what we were eating, yep. right? So if you're dodging bullets and all you had was 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 fantastic fish and vegetables, it would be like amazing, right? You you wouldn't care because you had other concerns. Yeah. Not getting killed. The average person living in the modern day, they care about endlessly satisfying their palate because their lives in many ways are just stressed out so much they just get the enjoyment of this pleasure food. Yeah. And so it really becomes an issue of like how you how you broach the topic with 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 people. And I think the best way is again to just talk about you know obesity, overweight equals heart disease, and heart disease. I mean, there are papers that actually say is atherosclero is osteoarthritis heart disease of the joints. I'm paraphrasing, but there are papers out there like that. Di tendinopathy is diabetes of tendons. Dyspnea <laughs> is far more common in hyperglycemic people than in normal glycemic people, unless you've got the bad genes for it. Which is which is a which is a, a lot of people don't don't realize that you know when anyone comes in and they got radiating pain and they're young, you should automatically ask about family history very carefully because you'll typically find relative, either a mother, father or uncles and aunts or grandparents that have disc herniation also, which means that they're a genetic disc herniator. Yeah. And that's been studied years ago. There's a bunch of different genes, tryptophan genes, uh, or the other genes that are collagen genes, a couple other genes well, that are in Often they'll just tell you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some don't ask, though. But that's you, you need to find. So if that you find, now you've got someone who is d disposed to it, which means you have to change that patient's loading style. So if they're a, if 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 they work in a, a shipping place where they're lug and load around, they got to change the job because because they are just genetically disposed to herniate. But the average person is not, and it's the lifestyle that induces the herniation. Yeah. Well, well said. That's that's good to know. Great. <laughs> yeah, no. Awesome. Um but yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of uh, something broader than than the basic. Uh... Oh, just 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 real quick. One one of the things that you said before yeah. is is like what I what I described and what you do is just so simple. It's not complicated. Now, this is one of the biggest pushbacks I get. People will say, "It can't be that simple." I'm like, "What are you talking about? Yeah. Of course, it's that simple." <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you kidding me? Like, like, how do I get my biceps stronger? Well, you take a weight and you do curls. It can't be that simple. It is that simple. Yeah. Do a lot of curls and your bicep <laughs> will get bigger. It's not that complicated. Yeah. So I think the reason why a lot of DCs and PTs resist this is because it's so simple. It's almost like, well, it can't be that. I mean, I don't, I don't want to do this thing. So therefore, I'm going to reject the fact that it's simple and make it more complicated in my own mind. Say, well, I don't, I'm a structural person. I'm a mechanical person, yeah. you know, so, so, you, you know, McKenzie, McKenzie's a pretty popular 
the yeah. trick. I mean, I've, I've went through, I went through parts A, A, A B, C, and D. Yeah. And so, so people would kind of, cause they know that I'm a nutrition guy. They would say, well, you know, what do you think, Dave? And I say, well, just when you've been backwards, just think about broccoli, think backwards, you know, or whatever, whatever your directional preference is, which is mostly extension, right? Yeah. Think broccoli, think fish while you're doing it. Don't think French fries. <laughs> Think yeah. Make it easy. Don't make it complicated. Oh, great. Now, actually, what you're saying is a lot of people should consider just implementing it in their approach with the yeah. patients. And uh, I got a great story for you. Do you want to hear this go one? For now, please, please go for it. Okay. So, so when I was teaching at uh, at, at Palmer, Florida, uh, a decade or, or so ago, I, I taught a a, a, a a Graston elective, and I did other soft tissue stuff and showed them end range loading, and this one one. Uh, uh, he was uh, American, but I think pure Scott, this big, strong guy, like the Highlander Games kind of guy. I mean, this yeah. guy was just just big. And so he's he's had thoracolumbar junction pain since he's like 15. He's like 25 now. I guess since you're 15. And he's been in Cairo school at that point for like two and a half years. Anything help? He goes, nothing has helped. And so I asked him like, well, you know, because I tried some ginger and turmeric and on and on, and that didn't do anything. So 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 getting back to when we first started, I said, well, do you ever take, you know, anti-inflammatory drugs, Advil, ibuprofen, whatever? He goes, no, not very often. I go, have you ever taken it for your pain? He goes, yeah. I go, well, what happens? He goes, the pain goes away for three days completely when I take Advil. Three days. So everyone listen to this? There's like 25 in the, you know, in the class. Three, totally pain-free, and he has the pain since he's fifth for the last 10 years. So my next question was, when was the last time you ate a vegetable? <laughs> Not complicated question. And he goes, this is his answer. He goes, I don't remember. <laughs> and I said, well, when was the last time you had fruit? Uh, I don't remember. I'm like, okay, well, what do you eat? He goes, well, I eat. So he's like a typical guy. guy. He says, well, I eat, I eat the rice and chicken or rice and tuna. <laughs> Maybe he had eggs and rice. So I'm like, so. So here's what you got to do. The additional vegetable calories will be meaningless. But assuming that you're eating a lot of rice, change, get rid of like 80% of the rice and, and, and do sweet potatoes and vegetables and have fruits for snack. So this was on, on, on Tuesday of week one. It was, it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, week one, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, week two. So we start on, so we, so we find this out Tuesday night. Yeah. So he, he starts it, and we didn't talk about it the next class or the next day and the next week. So it was a week later. I said, so, any, any difference? He goes, 50% uh, better. I'm like, that's pretty good. He goes, it could be placebo. I'm like, <laughs> it certainly could. <laughs> it certainly could. So well, I, I said, well, are you going to keep doing this? And he goes, absolutely. So I didn't see him. He was in the clinic. I didn't see him for like three months. So I said, hey, how's the back pain? He goes, doc, it was gone like like three or four days after the last, <laughs> the last elective, and it's been gone ever since. So here's a student in chiropractic college who is almost done with school, yeah. right? Now I'm not sure if you had me for nutrition. Maybe I wasn't, I forget if I even had it, if I had him at that point. It was so long ago. But it, it just wasn't in the head because there's this disconnect. But it was that simple. Now here's a guy who was like 25, yeah. going to be a chiropractor, in chronic pain, Every treatment that he was given did nothing for him. Nothing. Now, that's an outlier example, but I've seen many of those people. Yeah. Young people who, who are physically fit and strong and athletic and live in chronic pain, and in two weeks, he was pain-free. Yep. Wow. Great story. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> for me, for me I, at least what I see with a lot of my colleagues over here is, you know, I, I tell them about my nutritional consultation. And they they kind of look at me a little bit strange, like, okay, tell me more about that. You know, how, what what do you do? I'm like, yeah, I, I have a little form they fill in, uh, you know, getting an idea of what their uh, their uh, diet looks like, and have a couple of uh, questions about what they feel like and whether they wake up early and fatigue and so on. Um, and like, okay, and uh, so what, what do you tell them to eat? And I'm like, yeah, I just I move them off the refined stuff and i get them onto a lot well i might at least twice a day vegetables especially if i think that there's a good reason for that and um i want to make sure they don't eat uh, processed meat and good meat and uh if there's any problems with uh, especially wheat and uh, dairy then we'd look at that 
but I keep it very basic and very simple. And they, I can see they're kind of thinking, well, no, I, I can't do that. And I think for a lot of them, it is because they don't necessarily feel that they eat well enough themselves. Yeah. Because they know me, at least a lot of my Cairo friends and people that I know, they know that I'm, I eat very, I eat very strict. I've been busy with it for more than 10 years. And, uh, and I think that's where it comes in. People just, they, I think a lot of Kairos don't necessarily believe it themselves. And so uh, uh, I think that's why they don't really want to bring the message across. Yeah, I'd say that that that, that is the failing of, of chiropractic colleges. Think mm -hmm. about uh, your first year of chiropractic college. It was all basic sciences, yeah. right? All basic sciences. And those basic sciences, you learn a lot of pathways. You learn about, you learn glycolysis and Krebs cycle, electron transport. You learn some inflammation stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's all discussed like in a, in a in a vacuum as opposed to in, for example, so for you, you've been eating well for 10 years. You recommend it to your, to, to your patients. And then in four days, you feel like you're a sick old man because you didn't sleep well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That shows you the power of not sleeping, despite the fact that you already do eat healthy. Yeah. So, so it's a great failing in our, in, 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 our, in our healthcare education where they don't talk about how lack of sleep, lack of exercise, chronic stress, which you can avoid. Like, we can't av like you can't avoid all the stressors, right? You can't, but you should be able to not choose stressors that was your choice like the whole the, the whole COVID thing was not our choice yeah right but i could have bought six more cars and and, and during COVID just because i want cars and now i'm in debt <laughs> now i get that stressor <laughs> so that would be a stressor that i take on because because i would be an idiot to do that right yeah. so we should live within our means because that's where most stress comes from financial stuff choose relationships properly Get adequate sleep. If you have a kid like yours, when it's going like that, well, then maybe switch out with your wife and she can sleep with a little one. You can get a good night's sleep. And it just, so you work yeah. it out and yeah. take naps. I mean, you, you, you can work it out. So the fact that people find that to be difficult is, is, again, it's a failing of the first one year of Cairo school, med school, PT school. Yeah. They, because they learn basic sciences. And what they learn is they learn to dislike the basic sciences because they are annoying. And they're typically not discussed in a clinical context. So you have this rejection of basic science in the brain. I'm finally free. I can be a clinician. Now, why should I eat better? Yeah. Remember those courses that you were taught poorly and you didn't like and you hate them and you have an aversion to them now? That's yeah. why. Yeah. So you get this recoil. Like you said, you know, look, there's Bigfoot. No, go eat some vegetables. <laughs> it's not that complicated. <laughs> Great. I think, uh, I think we'll end there. Okay. And um, I'd, I'd love to speak to you again, maybe about Corona and uh, yeah, sure. If that's okay. So um, yeah, absolutely. Whenever you want. Great. We'll uh, we'll we'll make an appointment for that. Okay. I appreciate it, Dr. Seaman. It's uh, it's been absolutely great, and uh, yeah, I uh, I wish you all the best, and hopefully you can travel again and, and do your thing like before after this uh, Corona madness. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me yeah. on, Dr. Stein. Appreciate great. it. Great, great. Have a good day. You too.